Thank God for it. All right, tonight if you have your Bibles, the book of Mark chapter number 3 is on our heart. Mark chapter number 3, preaching series of sermons on treasures from the book of Mark. And we're going to read tonight in verse number 13 of Mark chapter number 3. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that they might send them forth, that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. I want to preach tonight out of verse number 16. I want to preach on this thought. From Simon to Peter. Now the disciples are listed in Matthew chapter 10. Mark chapter 3, Acts chapter number 1, and Luke chapter number 6. And they're always listed in three groups of four. And each time the leader is always the same, but everyone else is different in the list as far as their order. These men have been summoned to serve. They've been selected to share the gospel. And as I read this list, yea, as I've meditated on this list and thought on this list and studied about this list, I find encouragement because if God could use these men, maybe he can use me and maybe he can use me. Simon Peter, he had the foot and mouth disease. He often would open mouth and insert foot. He uh, rebuked the Lord one time when Jesus said he was going to be crucified and buried and raised again, Simon Peter took the time to rebuke him and tell him that wasn't the will of God for his life and said, I've got a plan for you myself, Jesus. Be it far from you, you're not going to do it. And then turned around a little later and denied the Lord three times and the third time with swear words. James and John, those two guys were plagued with such prejudice and hatred that they wanted to call fire down to consume a Samaritan village. Philip was so slow to understand, he said, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And Jesus had been before him the entire time. Bartholomew, we also know him as Nathaniel, the first time he heard about Christ, he turned his nose up so much, he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Matthew was a tax collector and built his entire livelihood out of extortion. Thomas, he was a despondent, often discouraged, and if he wasn't discouraged, he'd find a way to discourage you, and he was always a doubter. James, the son of Alphaeus, is known as James the Last. Think about trying to have a big ministry saying James the Last is going to be here preaching tonight. Thaddeus is so little known, we still don't know much about him from the Bible. Simon the Canaanite was a zealot who was a member of a fringe radical extremist group of terrorists. Judas was the only respectable member of the entire group of disciples 
and they trusted him, at least they thought they could trust him, as the treasurer. This is the ragtag group that was chosen of the Lord. They have no pedigree. They have no lineage. They're uneducated. They're untrained. They have no academic background. They have no religious connection to the establishment. They're just common, everyday, ordinary, sinful men. And I'm reminded that God often calls imperfect people to carry out his perfect work. When I think about from Simon to Peter, number one, I think about his decision to follow Christ. Two things about it. I want us to think about his personality traits. His name is Simon. Do you know what Simon means? Unstable. Did you know there are seven Simons in the gospel? There are two in this list. There's Simon, who he surnamed Peter. There's also Simon the Canaanite. That's two. Did you know that Jesus, according to Matthew 13, 55, had a half-brother named Simon? We know that in Matthew 26, there was Simon the leper. In Luke chapter 7, there was Simon the Pharisee. Simon was the name of the father of Judas Iscariot. That's John chapter 13, verse 26. And then there was the one they compelled to carry the cross of Jesus, Simon the Cyrenian, in Matthew 27, verse 32. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but there's seven Simons. That's not, that's not an accident that there's seven Simons in the gospel. It's a common name. He's a common man. He is a hardworking, salt of the earth, sweat of the brow, with callous hands by sunburn on the neck, fisherman. And he, along with Andrew, his brother, had a business with James and John. They were partners in the fishing business. He was physically strong and of rugged physique. Preacher, how do you know? He spent a lifetime rowing those heavy oars of those ships and of those boats in those rough seas. And as a fisherman, he's impulsive. He's swift to respond. He is rash. He is hasty. He was always acting on the spur of the moment. He was quick to jump to conclusions. Does it sound familiar? I think he's probably the first disciple with ADD. He needed medication. He came from a common town. He lived in Capernaum, which is just a sleepy uh, fishing village on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. He's not from Jerusalem. He's not from Rome. He's not from Antioch. He's not from Ephesus. He's removed from all the cities of influences. Again, God uses common people to do an un uncommon work. God does not use people according to ability. God uses people according to availability. God does not use people according to fame. God uses people according to faith. Let us think about his, not just his personality traits, but let's go over to John's Gospel, chapter 1, and let's read about his personal transformation. How did he meet Christ? How did he decide to call upon the Lord? Well, we know that John the Baptist had two of his disciples. Uh, one of them was John, the, the disciple we know that loved the Lord. The other one was Andrew. They heard John say, Behold, the Lamb of God. And when they heard John point out Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God, John and Andrew began to follow Jesus. 
And the Bible says in verse 38, Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, which is being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. The Bible says he brought him to Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you found your Simon? Have you got a brother or a sister, a friend, an acquaintance that you know needs to meet Jesus? Have you brought your Simon to Jesus? Boy, there's a whole message. Bringing your Simon to Jesus, amen. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon. In other words, there was no introductions. Andrew just brought up his brother and Jesus looked at him and said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The word Cephas is Aramaic for the name Peter. Now, that's when he first met the Lord. Now, he's trying to figure this thing out. He's trying to decide about Jesus. Maybe some of you, like me, we deliberated a little bit about Jesus. Amen. We go back to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. One day we know uh, that the uh, fishers, these business partners, were out fishing. And in Matthew chapter 4 verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. He's actively fishing. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. What about that? They left their nets and began to follow Jesus. They're leaving behind the business they know, and by faith they are following the Lord Jesus Christ. They're obedient to the voice of Christ. Now while we're in Matthew, I want to look at chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, it's another one of those listings, I mentioned this already, of the names of the disciples. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 2, the Bible says, Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, the first, Simon, remember I told you, the first one of the group is always listed first. It's that way every time. It's Simon. And then the order changes a little bit, which is called Peter. And Andrew's brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and Johnny's brother, Philip, and we keep going, okay? Where is he listed? Where's G, where is Peter listed on this list? First, in fact, the Bible even says, the first. Isn't that interesting? Now, all the disciples, I believe, are equal in standing in the eyes of God. I believe they're equal in power. I believe they're equal in authority. I believe they're equal in grace. But why is Peter first? He's first in influence. He is first in role. He is first in leadership. He is first in being the spokesperson. He's the pace setter. 
Let me give you an example. Maybe I'll give you a couple. Luke chapter 8, verse 45. You don't have to turn. You don't have to turn. There's a woman with an issue of blood. What did she do to get healing of that issue? She touched the hem of his garment, right? And as he passed by, she touched the hem of his garment, and he stopped and said, Who touched me? Now, that was a question to everybody. You guess who spoke up? First, Simon Peter said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee. Why sayest thou, who touched me? He's the first person to speak. I could think about uh, Matthew chapter 14. They're out on, a, they're out on a, a ship and they're in a storm. And the Lord is walking on the water. And he would have passed them by and they thought he was a ghost and they're screaming out, shrieking out for fear. And Jesus speaks to them. And Simon Peter, he's the one that spoke. He said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Wasn't anybody else. It was Simon Peter. He's the first one. And the Lord said, come. He's the first one out of the boat. But he's also the first one to look around and get afraid and begin to sink. See, he's the first one to speak. He's the first one to fail. And he said, Lord, save me. He's the first one to succeed. You see why he's first? I already said, the Lord had mentioned, I'm going to be crucified, buried, and raised on the first day of the week. Who was the one to speak out and rebuke him? Simon Peter said, Lord, be it far from thee. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, where they saw the Lord, they saw Elijah and Moses speaking to Jesus, transfigured before them, speaking with him about his decease. Who is the first person to speak? Simon Peter, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us make, well, that's good to say. But then he opened his mouth and he inserted his foot and said, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Before you say amen, he just lessened Jesus to be on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Great men, but I'm sure Jesus is greater. Say amen. Simon Peter, open mouth, insert foot. May I also say when Jesus was buried and when Jesus rose again and the tomb is empty, Peter and John ran to the tomb. John got there first, stood outside. You know who's the first person to go in the empty tomb? Simon Peter. He went right in there and was amazed when he saw the napkin laying there by itself. When the Lord told them to go to Galilee and there they should wait on him and there they would see him, Simon Peter is the first one to speak. He's got tired of waiting and he said, I'm going fishing and took six disciples to backslide with him. I don't know when people backslide while they always got to try to take somebody with them to make them feel better about what they're doing. When the Lord said, Simon, feed my sheep, right? Lord, do you love me? Yay, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. You know the story, okay? He said, looking over at John, he said, well, what shall this man do? And Jesus said to Simon Peter, what is that to thee? In other words, again, it's none of your business. He's always the first one to speak. He's the leader, the spokesperson of the group. It doesn't mean he was favored. He was the number one guy because he had more grace or more power or anything else. It's not that way at all. He's just the first one to open his mouth and insert his foot. Does it sound familiar? Amen. 
Number two, let us think about the demonstration of favor in Christ. Again, we're building off the thought. And Simon, he surnamed Peter. Jesus changed his name from Simon, pop test. What does it mean? I just told you. Unstable, right? Boy, y'all are going to be in trouble tonight, I'm telling you. Unstable. He changed his name from unstable to Peter, which means a rock, which means a stone. Not only did Jesus change his name, but he changed his life. Has he changed your life? Has he changed you from being wishy-washy and unstable and calls you to be reliable, calls you to, uh, to become something that's solid? He used to be Mr. Fickle. He used to be Mr. Fly off the handle. He used to be Mr. Toss to and fro. But now he is rock solid, unwavering, resolved and stable after the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But when we see him in the Gospels, he's kind of all over the place. Let me give you three examples. I, there's a bunch of these I could give. I want to give you three about the demonstration, demonstration of favor in Christ. Now, I want to read this story while we're in Matthew. We'll look at chapter 14. And I'll read this story about the storm. Look with me in verse number 25. Matthew 14, 25. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit... And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. How many times has the Lord walked into your storm and give you cheer and give you encouragement and you are still troubled to pieces? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately the Lord, Jesus, stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come to the ship, the wind ceased. What about that? So when the Lord was walking him back to the ship, or maybe he's carrying him, I don't know. But still the storm was on until they got back to the boat. Then the wind ceased. In your storm, when the Lord came to you, you may say Peter walked on water. You just don't know how you've been walking above your circumstances and your situation already. And you look around and you get your eye off the Lord and you get afraid about the money and you get afraid about the crowd and you get afraid about the diagnosis, and you get to worry, and you get to jitters, and when fear sets in, and you get you off the Lord, then you begin to sink. Have you ever been there? I'm talking about the favor of God. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, had the favor of God on Peter's life. He gave him the privilege of walking on water, and then he failed. Do you see it? And how many times has the Lord let you walk on water in your situation when you should not have been up, God lets you be up, and something happened. I want to read another text, Matthew chapter 17, about the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says in verse 1, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth him up into a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, 
and his raiment white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Wow. Great statement. If thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. I looked it up in Luke's gospel. You know what it says in Luke's gospel right here? Not knowing what he said. How many times has God given you a privilege of seeing God work and seeing the glory of God being revealed to you in a situation and then the next thing you know, you failed him and you lowered it down and you, you I'm gonna tell you what we do. We take the favor, we take the privilege of God for granted. In fact, let's just go ahead and turn over there. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Help me, Jesus. Luke chapter 9. I want to read this. Luke chapter 9. Verse 29. Luke 9, 29. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now here's Moses, the law, speaking about the death of Christ. Here's Elijah, the prophets, speaking about the death of Christ. Hey, they all pointed out that Christ, the Messiah, would give his life and be raised again. Now, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were, what? were heavy with sleep. Oh, Preacher Darren, I thought that was the Garden of Gethsemane. No, you're going to look around and you're going to find out that these boys that have got the favor and the, the privilege of serving God took it so much for granted, they just napped all the time. They laid out of church. They, they, they slept through his teaching. They slept through, I'm talking about the glory of God is shining from the inside out of the Lord Jesus Christ and these boys are asleep. And they heard somebody talking and they thought, I got to wake up for just a second. Jesus must be talking to himself. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Again, in the privilege of God, he failed. Sound familiar? I want to read another one. Richard Aaron, you're throwing off on me. No, I'm throwing off on me. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 26. I was going to try to stay in Matthew, but the Lord just led me off of it. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. I want to look in verse number 37, maybe 36. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. He took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be very, excuse me, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. He saith unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? We're talking about when the master's walking on the sea, he failed. With the Mount of Transfiguration, he failed. At the, seeing the Messiah in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus being in such agony, his sweat became as great drops of blood and Simon Peter and James and John are asleep. And I'm telling you, we're in a day when the Lord Jesus Christ is ready to return and the church is, ah, that's good, preacher there. You get excited for us all. We'll see you next Sunday. We're asleep. Lord God, we're asleep. I'm telling you, there's no excitement anymore. We are failing in a time of privilege to reach our lost loved ones and to pray and see God's face and to praise his name the way we ought to. Amen. We're asleep. Thank God. Number three, I want us to look in Matthew chapter 16 at his declaration of faith. Simon's being transformed from Simon to Peter. And in the times of privilege, he's failing the Lord. But in his failures, honey, he's learning. There's nothing like failure to teach you. I learned that from my daddy. There's nothing like getting in trouble at home to teach you right from wrong. Some of y'all ought to shout right there and say, Amen. Amen. We believe in capital punishment in my house. Amen. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, the Lord is asking a question. He said in verse 13, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they gave him an answer that, you're John the Baptist uh, raised up again. You're Elijah raised up again. You're, you're Jeremiah come back. You're one of the other prophets. Verse six, verse 15. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? I really believe this may be a rhetorical question. Just, just a a asking them to ponder in their heart, who do you say that I am? Who do you say? Who's the first person to speak? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. Comma, the son of the living God, period. You know what my English teacher taught me? A period is the end of a statement. It's complete. It's perfect. Nothing else needs to be said. Boy, he said it all. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What a challenge to be asked. Who do you say that I, the son of man, am? What a great confession he made there. Look at his great commitment that's made back to him. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. He did not call him Peter there yet. He said, Blessed art thou, unstable son of Jonah, or son of John, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, your confession came to you from God. It's not even from you. You're unstable. You may say, Preacher, that's the weirdest thing I ever heard of. You're completely crazy. I'll take time out. My nephew came to church. His daddy did not believe in God. And mom and dad were kind of splitting. And Gina's sister brought the children to church. And he said, if you take them to church, I'll take them to China. You'll never see them again. 
she brought him to church. And he came in with ear, air, earbuds in. And he was when I met him at the back door, and I was like, man, you can't bless God where these in church. The choir's going to sing. I'm going to preach it. He's He's not been in church. He don't know. And I started to yank him out, and God said, leave him alone. I said, well, Lord, he needs to hear. Leave him alone. I'll get him. And I looked at his hand. He didn't have a Bible. He had the book Dracula. He was going to sit there in church and bebity bop, bebity bop while reading Dracula so as not to have to participate in the choir singing and in the, and in the preaching of the gospel. And that did not sit well with me. And I was a blessed God. You throw your Dracula book back in the car and you get your earbuds out. You're here at church. Respect the things of God. And God said, you think, this is what God said to me, you think you going to get him? You think you going to get him with your preaching? You think you going to get him? Leave it to me. Okay? Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. It was the Spirit of God that got me. And it'll be God's Spirit that gets him. He come in week after week after week. Just, I was getting impatient. Simon Peter, open mouth, insert foot. I was getting impatient. Until one Sunday morning when I looked and his mama busted this altar wide open and I went over here and knelt with her and I said, what is it? She said, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a counterfeit. I lied to you. I've told you I'm saved. I, I've, I've come here to so my children to get saved. And God has spoke to me and said, I'm not saving them until you get saved first yourself. She got saved. And I said, stand up and tell them. She said, I'm ashamed. I said, they just like you. All of us were sinners. They just like you. She told everybody she just got saved. Right? She started clapping and praising God. And that morning, God saved 12 people. And we came back Sunday night, and I said, in the prayer room, I said, me and prayer, prepare, for, prepare for war. Because usually we have a good Sunday morning like that. The devil's got it on his radar. He's not going to let us have a good service Sunday night. But God is greater. Let's turn this thing over to God. And God saved that night 13 more. They were lined up from this side to that side, praising God. Y'all remember, many of you do, people getting saved. And I looked for her son, and he wasn't one of them. He'd been back there with his Dracula book, beepity boppity, beepity boppity beep, and another one gets saved, and we take another lap, and another one gets saved, and he kept looking up, saying, what in the world's going on? I went to the back to shake hands. My wife said, honey, we got a problem. I said, how could we possibly have a problem when 25 people just got gloriously born again? She said, it's Cam. He's in that window seal down by the baptistry. He's mad and angry. You better look out. I opened up this door. I went down through that. I said, son, what in the world is wrong with you? He said, Uncle Darren, is this real? I said, what real? He said, this people getting saved as you say it. I said, well, you tell me if it's real. I said, tell me about Confucius. And he did. Tell me about Muhammad. And he did. Tell me about Buddha. And he did. I said, son, tell me about Jesus. He said, good man, leader of the Jews. They put him on a cross. He died. I said, you're right. And I said, I have a question. Did he speak to you? And man, he threw his Dracula book down and threw his earbuds down and he fell on all fours back there. And he said, yes, he did, Uncle Darren. And dead people can't speak. Dead people can't do this, Uncle Darren. He must be alive. 
Honey, he got saved down that hallway. He came out of that door shouting and praising God. And I thought just when it couldn't get any gooder, his sister ran and jumped in my arms and said, Uncle Derek, if God saved Camden, do you think he could save me too? I said, I got good news. He's still in the saving business and he saved two more that night. Honey, it was not flesh and blood that revealed it to these people. It was the spirit of Almighty God. Amen. And when Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the Lord's bragging on me, thinks, Look, I did pretty good, didn't I? I got the answer right. Look, everybody. Look, you pay attention to me. Look how smart I am. I got it right. Simon, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. He's not saying I'm going to build the church on you, Simon Peter. Uh-uh. No, he's unstable, that boy. He said, I'm going to build my church upon the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. May I just set the world on notice tonight that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. It never has and it never will. Verse 19, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shalt be loosed in heaven. His declaration of faith. Then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Wait a minute. I thought Simon Peter said, Look at me. I got the answer right. I'm so smart. Just count them just in about one, two, three, four, five, six verses, the number of man. He's already rebuked the Lord and told the Lord it's not God's will for Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, be buried and be raised again. Open mouth, insert foot. He turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Number four, and I've got to quit. Number four, there is the design of fellowship with Christ. Now we know Simon Peter has this problem. We see it over and over. I've proved it time and time again. In Luke 22, Luke 22, we'll look at one more. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, you know what it means? Unstable. <laughs> Simon, Simon, unstable, unstable. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I pray for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, look what the Bible says. He said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, 
The cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. What was Simon's intention? He said, Lord, I've spent three years with you. I've spent time training and witnessing the power of God. And I know you said that Satan's desired to have me. And Lord, I know that you've prayed for me and I appreciate it. But the impulsive one, the unstable one, opened his mouth, insert his foot and began to boast. It'll never happen to me, Lord. I'll never deny you. I'll go with you to the death, Lord. I'll go with you to prison. He began to boast. He had sincerity. He was earnest. He was earnestly wrong, but he wanted to serve God. But he began to have confidence, not in the Lord's prayer for him, but he had confidence in himself. Then we see Satan's intention. Please know that Satan has a desire to sift him as wheat. His desire is to destroy the work of God in Simon Peter's life. He wants to destroy his past witness. All the confessions he's made and everything he's done, he wants to destroy his special privileges. He wants to wipe them out. He wants to discredit his present position. He wants to make Simon Peter unfit. He wants to make Simon Peter unreliable. May I take time out and say, you know what the devil wants to do to this church? And it makes me fight mad. The devil wants to attack your confession and your faith in Christ. And the devil wants to take away your special privileges. And the devil wants to make you unfit. And the devil wants to make you unreliable. That's what the devil wants to do. And he wants to defeat his potential value by stomping out his testimony and rendering him useless. That's what the devil wants to do to this church. It's what the devil wants to do to me as a preacher and to the ministry of this church. Jesus knew it. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, you listen to me, boy, unstable. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as sweet. Y'all remember some of y'all old timers like me. Y'all remember the old time sifters, don't you? Hey, man, I'm glad I'm preaching a prayer meeting tonight. Some of these new kids, they don't, they don't know about a sifter anymore. But it gets all them lumps out, amen. It separates the good from the bad, amen. And the devil's going to use the, 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 the sifter of difficulty, the sifter of doubt, the sifter of, of problems in your life. You wonder sometimes, preacher Darren, why does these problems come? I'm telling you why they come. Because Satan's desire to have you. But hear me, all of Satan's desires have require the permission of God. The devil can't sift you unless God permits it. And God says, you know what, go ahead, sift him. Because the disappointments and the difficulties and the denials and the doubts are going to make him better than he's ever been. Because I prayed for him that when he's been sifted, we're going to take that, think about a sifter. What it does is it catches the bad and the good comes out. And he says, we're going to take the good, we're going to let the wind blow away the bad, and we're going to knead it, and we're going to make bread with it. And he said, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, they may sift you as sweet, but I pray for you that your faith fail not. And when, listen, when thou art, look what he says, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. You know what bread will do, right? When you make bread, when somebody's weak and hungry and malnourished, you know what bread will do? It'll strengthen you. Simon Peter, he said, I'm going to use you. 
to strengthen the people of God. Your disappointments, your difficulties, your denials, that the problems you've had, I've allowed them, but I'm gonna use that to be a nourishment to the people of God. And I appreciate Simon Peter because he sure has helped me, amen, down through these years. So I see Simon's intention. He's intending, I'm gonna be earnest. I'm gonna go with God. He can't do it. Satan's intention is destroy him. What's the Savior's intention? All things work together for good <laughs> to them that love God. <laughs> he says, ah, son, going to turn this thing around. I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to help you, and you're going to strengthen the brethren. I've given to you, Simon Peter, don't forget, I've given to you the keys of the kingdom. Your first, first open your mouth, first to act, first to fail, first to succeed. You're the first one to have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm giving them to you. So when the Lord Jesus Christ has been arrested and Simon Peter's following from afar and he's warming by the world's fire, someone says, hey, weren't you one of them that was Jesus with Jesus? No, I don't know him. Well, I, yeah, you were. You, 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 you talk like one of them I heard speaking. Yeah, yeah, you're one of his disciples. No, no, I don't know the man. And another one said, yeah, you're him. Definitely, he's one of them. We ought to arrest him and do to, G, do to this guy what we did to Jesus. And all of a sudden, he began to swear and he began to curse. And he began to say, I do not know him. And as soon as he did the third time, <laughs> that rooster, it wasn't time for that rooster to crow first thing of the daylight in the morning. That rooster, it sounded like when he was crowing that night, he had mistimed his message. It's funny when the man of God gets up there sometimes and the Holy Ghost says it's time to preach and it looks like it's not daylight and it's the middle of darkness and that rooster gets up there and begins to crow. <laughs> He's got a message. And Simon Peter heard it and said, oh man. And he looked and the Lord turned from where he was arrested and saw Simon Peter. And the Bible says he went out and he wept Bitterly. You know why? He was broken. He was under conviction. And he repented. He wept his way to God. He got right with God. He didn't feel worthy anymore, but he was ashamed of his actions. Have you ever been there? Have you ever wept your way to God because of your boasting, because of your pride, because of opening mouth and inserting foot? And then when he hears that Jesus had been crucified and that they buried Jesus and that it's the third day and, and now the tomb, the stones rolled away and the tomb is empty and the women are excited. Man, he's going down there to find out. And when he gets down there and he sees John standing there gazing, he impulsively goes right on in and he sees the tomb is empty and he sees the garments laying on the right side and the napkin over the face folded perfectly which preached a message to him I enjoyed my stay but I'll be back and Simon Peter felt like Jesus is still alive and I denied him and I cussed and I've been now I'm an outcast I have failed him all I've ever done <laughs> get tore up all I've ever done is fail him every time I try to do right I somehow still fail him. 
in my old flesh and I'm not worthy to be one of his own. I'm not worthy to be in the pulpit. I'm not worthy to be in that church house. I'm not worthy to be a mom or a daddy. Lord, I'm not worthy. I failed and I failed. I failed so miserably. Oh God, I failed so miserably. And now Jesus is alive again and he knows he's alive and he knows how I failed him. I'm, I'm no better than Judas. I'm in exile. Mark chapter 16, I'll be done. Mark chapter 16. To the women, the angel at the tomb said in verse 6, he saith unto them, be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, and he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. He knew. He had a special message. You make sure and tell. Simon Peter feels unattached to the group. He feels unworthy. And if you just say to his disciples, Simon Peter will say, well, I'm not one anymore. I'm out. I've trespassed. I've committed iniquity. I've transgressed. I'm, I'm done. You go down there and tell him, I'm alive, and I expect to see him. <laughs> that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him, as he said unto you. I just want to take time out to say this tonight. When the Lord had spoke to his disciples after the resurrection, I believe it was at Bethany, and the Lord called him up on the mount. And they saw him taken, this same Jesus, which was so taken, shall come in like manner as you've seen him go. Jesus had told them, go and wait in the upper room until you be in due with power. They'd been praying, and on the day of Pentecost, when God was looking for somebody to stand and share the message, it was Simon Peter, the one who had denied and cussed and open mouth and insert foot and had failed so many times. It was Simon Peter that stood up boldly and preached the word of God, and 3,000 people got saved. I wouldn't have picked him. I'd have picked somebody else. But God picked him, and look how God used him to preach to the Jews. 3,000 got saved. He has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then in Acts chapter 10, when it's time for the word to go to the Gentiles, to Cornelius of the Italian band, and Simon Peter's arguing with God, saying, I don't know, God. I mean, I've seen 3,000 saved, but that's a Gentile group over there. I don't need to go in their house. And the Lord said, what I've cleansed, call thou not common. You go in and preach the gospel to them, and many in that household got saved. It was Peter that had the keys of the kingdom that first initiated going to the Gentiles. Hear me, honey. Your failures are not final unless you allow them to be so because Jesus Christ will still forgive those of us that have failed in their privilege. He will restore us and use us for his glory. I'm glad tonight we can go from being unstable to stable. We can go from being Simon to Peter if we'd let God work in our lives. Amen. Will you stand to your feet tonight?
That is the message. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like the preacher is Wednesday. I'm absolutely weary. Preacher Darren, what a challenge it's been. Lord, I don't know. But tonight I got a little, a little kick starting my heart. And I'm telling you, something, something's got a hold of me. Now, preacher, I want to raise my hand. I want you to preach when you pray for me. I want to go from, I want to go from, from Darren to, to what God wants me to be. I, I want to go from who I am to what God wants me to be. Anybody else, you raise your hand right back down. Father, you see hands raised up, maybe even at home, all around this room tonight. God, we are everyone confess to you. We've failed. We're, we've sinned against you. We've missed the mark. We've committed transgression, uh, iniquity. Lord, we failed in our privilege time and time again. It seems like when I know to do good, I don't do it. Lord, would you forgive us then, God? And somehow in your own ability, Lord, would you take us and use us and cause us to become powerful, usable, pliable, a trophy of grace in the hand of God. Lord, would you do that, I pray, for the ministries of this church and for these folk that have raised their hand, being honest with God, would you help them? Would you encourage them? Would you empower them and embolden them of the Holy Ghost of God? And with this I pray in the name that's above all names, in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God. Amen and amen.